Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB. Brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Good afternoon. Welcome to the COB, the stuff you need to know in the day in business and markets. I'm Kyle Rodder, of course, here once again with Danny Ikuye. Danny, um, well, we've broken our hot streak uh, down very slightly mm. for the day. Uh, and as you can see, the market off by, uh, well, it looks like it'll be a decline of about 0.4%, all things said and done. Yeah, I think we can thank those in um, unemployment numbers um, or employment numbers, I should say. And that leads us to the three themes. It does. It? it does. And those that, that I think that is probably the news of the day, really, isn't it? It's that yep. uh, we had those jobs figures out in Australia and uh, well, a lot, a lot stronger than expected. Here we are, jobs, 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 uh, 3.5% the unemployment rate, 53,000 jobs added to the economy. Um, I mean, it's not exactly getting any worse in terms of, I suppose, the situation for the RBA trying to take a little bit of steam out of the economy. Yes. Uh, but it's certainly not getting any better yet. There was the expectation that maybe we'd see a tick up in the unemployment rate. Yeah, I, I, I think that the numbers are so hard to interpret yeah. because a lot of companies really wanted to hire people because we had such a shortage, you know, as a result of COVID. And it's just interesting because I've come across two anecdotal examples of young people mm. looking for casual work and they actually can't get it in pubs and Woolworths. And so maybe there was a rush to employ everybody in March. And because we've had so many people now come into the country, all those jobs have been filled. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in April. Mm. So I'm more in the camp that uh, it, it's very much a lagging indicator. We've had a bit of a banking crisis crisis overseas and confidence and yeah it's it's very challenging for the RBA because they're constantly watching the data mm. to work out where they go and they're walking that tightrope between Australia's indebtedness that households have mm. versus wanting to get inflation and inflationary expectations down so um, yeah we'll continue to invest or trade as the data comes in absolutely and uh, i did have a really good chat with phil o'donoghue from deutsche bank almost touching on that uh, little topic there where the rba um, at least compared to some other central banks around the world is trying to keep things on an even keel as mm. that's the language that they use um, but you know sometimes an even keel is a really hard thing to manage mm. if you need to take steam out of the economy sometimes you need to whack the labor market almost do what the rbnz has done and just really continue to hype but as you alluded to too this data can be a little bit lagging the rba has pointed to the long and variable lags and monetary policy is it's so often quoted so maybe the uh well these numbers don't really sum up the picture just yet we will have to wait and watch but moving on and that maybe might be a good segue yeah. because 
a word that was being thrown around in the States last night was recession. Absolutely. Again, the R word. Absolutely. And it was really interesting to see the FOMC, the economists, coming out and saying when we saw those meeting minutes that they're actually telling the board members that post the SVP collapse and all the problems in the banking sector, probably a tightening of credit conditions and also too that the US would probably go into a mild recession. So some people would say that's somewhere between a soft landing and a you know a bit of a slowdown. I think they um, downgraded GDP growth to 0.4 percent mm. okay for this year for the US and it's interesting because it's much easier isn't it strategically for the economists in the FOMC to say to the board members oh look there might be a recession as opposed to Jay Powell and all the other members coming out and saying well look we had to smash the economy to get rid of inflation and by the way you're all going to end up in a recession so I actually thought that was quite convenient for them for somebody else oh look it was the banking crisis not us but arguably it was the banking crisis that they caused so I think you know the markets now um, will start to probably start to at least think about economic recessions mm. in the US. And um, as you well know, Kyle, there's this, this big split between equity markets in denial or bond markets saying we've got a big recession. Absolutely. And yeah. we might learn more from the uh, third t- talking point that you wanted to touch on, which is coming up. Exactly. We're uh, 24, 48 hours, we'll call it away from the bank results kicking uh, Wall Street's earnings season off. So we'll get a lot of colour around the economic mm. outlook, around mm. what earnings could do uh, on for some of those major Wall Street firms. And again, they might use, uh, I suppose, uh, that, that, that R word. Never waste a good crisis, I suppose. And uh, that's what uh, you were saying there about central bankers. But let's just crisscross a couple of sectors of our market very quickly, uh, just to see which uh, areas outperformed and well, which didn't, starting with the retailers. Uh, an interesting day for mm. them. And I mean, it's hard not to feel that maybe some of these rate expectations, which at the margins, uh, probably lifted uh, in terms of the likelihood of an RBA hike in May. Again, only at the margins. May have weighed on the retailers just a little bit today. They were the worst, or the consumer staples and the staples, consumer discretionary yeah. stocks were, were amongst the worst performers yeah. for today. Coles, when I looked earlier, was actually hit quite hard. And I assume that's because, I don't know, because Wes Farmers sold out their last 2.8% yeah. stake. It did, really didn't make a lot of sense. But then sometimes markets don't make sense. But <laughs> um, yeah, you would have thought with a um, tighter labor market that possibly uh, you are looking at another interest rate rise. But the star sector was energy. Yeah, it was. And uh, well, actually, you brought my attention to us uh, today. It was um, potentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the US potentially um, refilling those strategic petroleum correct. Reserves offering a little bit of a bid, another another I suppose floor under the price. We've got OPEC helping out, and well, any time the prices get low enough, the US tries to uh, obviously load up when it comes to their strategic reserves. Yeah. So the overnight, the US Energy Secretary Jennifer Granthom uh, basically said that the federal government would start begin buying oil to replenish that emergency stockpile later in the year if it is advantageous to taxpayers. So of course, you know, the oil markets jumped on this as a signal that you would have a large buyer back in the market, which uh, really underpinned 
uh, the oil price rise there again. Yeah, now energy players benefiting Woodside, uh, the punter's favourite when it comes to trying trading the oil price uh, as far as an equity market proxy on the ASX up by around 1% and uh, $34.50 per share. I think we've got to look at big tech very quickly as well, or local tech, I should say. Uh, let's see if we've got that graphic there too. No, unfortunately, that's uh, not doing what it's supposed to. But nevertheless, our tech stocks were uh, marginally higher today. So a bit of a hodgepodge, it has yep. to be said. But we should get to the uh, corporate news now because top global miner BHP has secured the backing of Oz Mineral shareholders for its $9.6 billion buyout at a vote today. The deal was unanimously recommended by Oz Minerals Board and has already passed several regulatory hurdles. The copper gold producer on December 22nd last year entered a scheme implementation deed with BHB to proceed with the takeover. Yeah, and then just briefly touching on Wes Farmers, as I stated before, they've sold their remaining 2.8% stake in the supermarket chain Coles Group. There was no official disclosure of the price at which the stake was sold, but it has been reported that the deal was worth around $688 million or $18.50 per share. And both the companies will continue their customer loyalty program flybys, retaining a 50% interest each in the joint venture. And in perhaps the big corporate news of the day, perhaps at least the most positive anyway, is Australia's corporate travel management rallied on news of a contract with the UK Mm. home office, the business travel solutions provider said, the estimated transaction value stands at about $3 billion. The contract works include services and logistics support. And uh, Danny, uh, it was the stock of the day today. So have a listen to what our guests had to say about corporate travel management. There could be some catalysts coming up to get the share price going with you know, China reopening and, and so on. Um, obviously, today's announcement um, is, is a great one. Um, you know, as a technical trader, we we're looking at $19 as a, a key level it needed to get above to confirm that the downtrend is over and it's clearly done that well and truly today. So, I mean, at first glance, I'd say this is yeah, good news. Obviously, the North American business, we'd like to see that one improve. but. You know, this is a big, big increase to earnings and um, I think potentially this is an opportunity to get a bit more upside in the share price. North American business has underperformed the rest of the business. Um, I go with a hold just with consensus in line with a lot of expectation and cities gone with a hold. Um, Just because the company overstaffed during the pandemic in preparation for um, the travel rebound in the US, which obviously naturally failed the business as we've seen the North American operations coming or underperforming. So I think at the moment, um, and also we know travel demand peaked to its highest level ever recently. And all of the other companies like Qantas, all of the airlines, they outperform the market and this one failed to do so. That was great evil there from Val Direct, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities and um, corporate travel management. I always like to ask you, of course, because uh, I suppose if there's anyone at this desk anyway that's uh, going to be better at uh, picking stocks, it's uh, it's, it's going to be yourself, Danny. Um, do you have a view on corporate travel management? Any ever sort of uh, stoked your interest by any chance? <laughs> yes, I have held it once upon a time. You like, you like it? Um, oh, you are... Hmm. 
I struggle with some stocks because I, mm. I, I don't, you know, I do well and then I don't do well. Um, I must Actually. admit, I'm, I'm not big into travel stocks. That's mm. just me personally. Yeah. Um, but I would say for the company, this is a great contract. That's the type of contracts you want because they're reliable, they're secure, they're coming from a government and it's a reliable earnings stream. So, you know, just as a casual observer, it would look like there was a reason for the share price to be up that much today. Yeah, everyone wants to jump on the uh, the government gravy chain quite naturally. And yeah, I suppose with the travel sectors, and it was just a, it was a good thematic play there for a couple of years. If you wanted to sort of, I guess, yeah. you know, play a COVID uh, reopening story or whatever. Um, again, for me, I just I don't I steer clear. But uh, you know, my opinion's worth about that much. Uh, anyway, let's talk uh, recession and the R word once again because your view today was talking exactly about that. Gosh, that seems like an eternity ago. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was basically just covering that um, the recession is being talked about again and again it's 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 this this um, I suppose the 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 pull, pull me push you between the equity market and the bond market and clearly both of them can't be right and that's what's perplexing for investors at the moment which tax should we actually take and I just cited some research from Morgan Stanley about what happens when you have bond markets indicating 160 basis point cut in rates in the US and what typically happens to share markets so you'll have to read that one to see what Morgan Stanley had to say. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I suppose it is that fascinating dynamic, right? Because we've spoken about it with uh, several guests, Jill and I, over the last few weeks, Mm. where at least some parts of the equity market seem to be in that kind of 2010 style of thinking as well. If it means rate cuts, well, you know, we just go and buy big tech and all these other names. Uh, Happy days. It's it's good for their equities, but, you know, it might not be the case anymore. No, I think there's a lot of muscle memory, Mm. um, particularly from 2020 when um, the Federal Reserve came in and pumped huge amounts, whatever, $3 trillion worth of liquidity into the system. And, you know, that was a systemic collapse in the system. It was, you know, the liquidity had dried up, so it had to come in and so you could go in and buy all these stocks. People have sort of forgotten that if rates are dropping, that's not good. That basically is suggesting that something is actually wrong. And uh, that is really what some of the major economists and also a lot of fund managers talking about it. Are we going into an earnings recession? And that is why the US earnings reporting season is going to be so important um, in terms of giving us an indication of not only what's been happening in the March quarter, but what the outlook is, if they give an outlook or not, and what's happening with margins. Yeah, and you cited yesterday the fact that numbers suggesting that we could get a contraction of about 6% in earnings this quarter. Yeah, I think that's that's what S&P are looking at, about 6.8%, and that's off the back of uh, around 1.2% for the December quarter. Um, But typically in recessions, not that anyone wants to hear this, but earnings can contract by 20%. Uh, It won't be across the board, but the markets have very much been positioning themselves in certain stocks, defensive quality stocks. And I think the market is selectively weeding out places where they think that they can hide out in. And uh, yeah, it's, it's quite pronounced in the US and also to a certain degree here in Australia. Yeah, well, uh, let's get in our guest now. Perhaps you can provide a view on that. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Uh, Henry, our themes of the day have been really around, well, first the jobs report, but in particular, just uh, last night, the FOMC minutes uh, snuck in there was was the R word. And we sort of now come towards US earnings season worrying about earnings contractions, again, possibly technical recessions in different parts of the world. I mean, these sorts of rumblings, how do you interpret them? Um, 
We've been talking about the R word for so long, Kyle, I have to say. It is so dull to be talking about this. I feel like Gregory Peck standing on the beach in Melbourne waiting for the radiation cloud to come down on the beach uh, in the 50s movie. It's just, you know, it's we're going to have a recession one day. It's inevitable. But when is the big question? You know, the U.S. unemployment rate is 3.5%. The unemployment rate here is 3.5%. We're not seeing that many signs of a looming recession, either here or in the U.S. We may get a tiny, weeny one. But, uh, you know, given the Fed has a lot of scope now to cut rates if it really turned into a nasty recession, I think we're just getting too hung up on this whole recession or, you know, rates or recession or rates or recession. I mean, come on, we know we've got U.S. reporting season coming up. That's going to be kind of important for us. I mean, not really uh, going to be able to draw too many parallels with uh, Australian banks looking at the Goldman Sachs results, maybe Bank of America, Wells Fargo. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard to extrapolate what's happening with U.S. and international tech companies uh, to our little old market here, which is based on mining and banking. Yeah, it's so true, Henry. It's a really case of are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, and it does oh. seem to be ridiculously drawn out. And, uh, you know, there will be winners and there will be losers along the way. So someone was chatting to me the other day. I don't know if this is in your universe, so I'm trying to keep it smaller rather than asking about commercial property. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, which, you know, Anyway, <laughs> I've I, I phoned up on commercial property since uh, <laughs> since our last conversation, Danielle, and I am now an absolute expert on commercial F- property. Fantastic. No, but somebody was uh, chatting to Dicker Data about me. Is that one in your universe? No, not really. Oh, okay. Um, well, we'll leave that one and forget about that. <laughs> I've, I've, looked, I've looked at it before. I'll, I'll have to put that aside with the commercial property um, info. Yeah, of course. Well, um, just in terms of, I suppose, coming into this sort of uni, uh, US earnings, you, you did allude to it a little bit. But I mean, can we infer much at all from, from the corporate profits and, and the uh, activity that we might see in the United States, especially amongst the banks, to anything locally too? Because I mean, three or four weeks time, we're going to get our own bank results, um, going to be significant for our market. And there's, I mean, some level of a concern that some of that, I guess, negativity about the economic outlook might be reflected in, in what our banks have to say um, uh, in, in, in a th- three or four weeks' time. Uh, well, that is true. Obviously, you know, the, the banking machine still makes $30 billion in cash profits between the four banks. They pay extraordinarily high dividends. That's not going to change. There may be some tinkering around the edges. Don't forget as well, we've got a massive refinancing uh, event happening this year. All those fixed rate loans mm. that run off. Uh, that we've been talking about that cliff uh, where people suddenly run into trouble. A lot of people, I think, have been preparing for that cliff. It's not like a Thelma and Louise moment uh, when they just go flying off the cliff willy-nilly. But the banks have got an opportunity here, and there's certainly a very competitive environment out there. You know, we've still got 3.5% unemployment. And while we've got 3.5% unemployment, the bank bad debt provisions are going to be well and truly under control as long as people have jobs. Okay, they're going to feel some stress. They're going to cut back on spending in parts of the economy. But for every winners, well, for every loser, rather, there are winners. You've got to remember that there is a whole bunch of people that don't have mortgages that actually rely on interest rates being higher and bank deposit rates uh, and have done very well out of the fact that the RBA is raising rates. So it's not a sort of a catch-all and kills the economy kind of situation. There will be winners. I think the banks will be solid. It's very politically hard for the banks 
as always, to crow and go, aren't we geniuses, uh, especially given the backdrop that's happened in the US with that kind of mini turmoil that we've seen with uh, SVB and First Republic. But, you know, the banks that have a very tight rope sort of politically to, to walk, uh, you know, we've got the May budget as well. There's nothing a government likes better than bashing the banks if they make too much money. They want them to be strong, but they don't want them to make too much money. Obscene profits. 30 billion, is that obscene? I don't know. But they'll be solid, they'll be unremarkable, I suspect. They'll talk about the economic deterioration, they'll talk about the refinancing, they'll talk about bad debts. They won't probably be very uh, optimistic about the future, they'll play down things, uh, but they'll still pay dirty great big dividends, fully franked, and investors will reward them for that. Yeah, it's interesting. There's been quite a lot of um, competition in the mortgage market to pick up that refinancing, as you you know you're talking about. I mean, it's four hundred billion odd dollars. I think it could be more than that. So, it will be interesting to see how the bank margins do. In fact, I was reading today about the upgrade on Westpac and uh, Bendigo Bank that they're actually expecting the results that the, the NIM, the net interest margin to hold up a lot more and the results actually yeah. to be not as bad as everybody expects. So yeah, yeah we'll, have, we'll definitely have to see. I, I guess one of the things that banks do rely on substantially is the fact that we are lazy. Uh, and that we, we don't shop around and we don't uh, switch and swap. I had an email the other day from uh, one of our members who was talking about their bank when they came to refinancing their loans on their investment properties. Their bank basically gave them such a huge rate that there was no way they were going to accept it. So they shopped elsewhere and being good uh, deposits and credit holders with the bank or with another bank, they got a really good deal with another bank. So off they went and they do they do this every two or three years uh, and they save a fortune and the banks rely on us being lazy. I mean, how many of us have still got the same bank account that we had when we left school? I know that I have the same bank account, but when I worked at Macquarie and it's a terrible bank account, I just can't be bothered to change it. And I can say I bank with Macquarie. Mm. Yeah, no, it was actually uh, on a competing uh, podcast uh, I, I was listening to, to last week, the same dynamic uh, in terms of deposits, that mm. people just don't move them and the banks just keep deposit no. rates low because they just don't yeah. expect anyone to get off their backside. So, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's crazy. We're, we're all guilty of this. And what I find really annoying and what really gets me uh, upset is when you're a loyal customer, you don't get rewarded for that loyalty. It's the new customers that they try and entice with new deals. It must cost them a fortune to get new customers and they forget about the loyal customers and rewarding them. It's crackers and everybody does it. Yeah, it's it's the same too with your with your phones, your telco yep. contracts and also with insurance. And yep. uh, I've actually made a point recently of being far more proactive of, you know, ringing around and actually doing that work because otherwise they just leave you on the higher con, you know, the higher price. Yep. And you it's know, la- we're just lazy. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And that's yeah. why banks make thirty billion a year. <laughs> It's a good business model, profiting off people's laziness. It's uh, it's it's a uni- it's a uni- universal uh, recipe to success. But um, I, I just wanted to, to ask one more question um, because sure. one thing we haven't discussed yet was we had some data out of China today and mm. didn't really uh, shake the earth by any means. But it still indicates that maybe things are you know a little bit sluggish uh, in, in China's economy. Disappointing, perhaps, especially from an investor's point of view if you're exposed to it. I do know you sort of specialise in sort of your, your more small cap portfolio, which I would imagine has some level of sensitivity to the China story. I mean, how are you reading things over there at the moment, both from just what you're seeing from the, the, the fundamentals, but you know, how it's affecting our markets? This is another commercial property question, isn't it? Oh, well. um, 
again. Um, you, you know, uh, as far as China goes, it, it's the recovery is happening is slower than anticipated. I have to say, it, it does appear that it's slower than anticipated. But the numbers today weren't too bad. The export numbers were pretty good. So something's happening somewhere in the world. That's for sure. Um, China has lots of levers it can pull, of course. And uh, we could see uh, maybe some acceleration in the in the pace of the economic growth in China, and that is probably one of the, the the only bright points in the global economy, according to some economists at the moment, is China. So, you know, we're still seeing commodity prices relatively high. I read an article today about uh, the summer coming and power outages in China, and how they had to look for uh, more coal supplies, and they're even looking at more nuclear. So that's going to help us as well. In Australia, and the other great thing, of course, that's going to help us here in Australia is this thawing of relations. Uh, barley one day, maybe wine the next, in terms of uh, the World Trade Organization and those uh, tariffs that the Chinese put on us. So maybe that is going to help us as well in terms of their our biggest customer is starting to play nice with us. I've got one more, and I know I'm going to be on the money with this one, and I do want your opinion on it because it's the Morgan Stanley broken notes on uh, uh, who was it? Yeah, so on Pilbara yesterday. Uh, did you have a view, or well, maybe a bit of an update on the space? Because of course, some of that steam's come out of the market after the uh, the big Liontown Resources um, bid. Um, well, some of the steam has come out of the market. I still think Pilbara. You know, when you compare what uh, Albemarle is bidding for Liontown, and there's a hundred and thirty odd million shares still short in Liontown. They're buying them back very slowly. Uh, it's now sort of ten percent above the bid price, pretty much. Uh, but Pilbara does, to me, look kind of cheap compared to Liontown, but it is a long-term story. We haven't heard a lot from Pilbara recently. They're just about to get slammed to some extent with uh, the cyclone um, uh, that's about to hit the uh, WA coast. So that's going to be interesting to see what the fallout of that is. But uh, to me, I still think Pilbara looks a standout for some sort of corporate play, big fat balance sheet, uh, paying a dividend for the first time, good management, good product, expansion plans, and it's, you know, compared to Liontown, which is still a glint in somebody's eye, okay, they have started construction, but uh, it does look pretty cheap. If you're going to pay $6 billion for Liontown, you'd be better off paying $10 billion for Pilbara, surely. Henry, we'll uh, leave it there before I mess it up. I uh, really appreciate your uh, time today. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Daniel. Bye. Okay, well, let's uh, cruise through what's on overnight. And um, well, actually, I, I was going to put UK GDP on here because I think it is reasonably relevant just for uh, the macro watches out there because you know there's still the expectation that the Bank of England could push forward uh, with its rate hikes. But um, it came out actually at four o'clock, so I just wanted to check that very quickly for those who might be interested uh, in in that. And uh, well, it was actually flat; it came at zero percent. Uh, the expectation was for a, a, an expansion of zero point one percent. So somewhat soft there. But tonight, not as significant as last night. We did have that inflation figure out of the States, which was maybe slightly softer than expected. But PPI tonight. Which is important. Which is very important. Producer prices is really, really important because they're all the, you know, input costs and Mm. and things. So I do think that is important. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see jobless claims as well. Yeah, that's often the uh, first worm to turn, so to speak, when it comes to uh, economic activity. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. All 
All right, leaders and laggards now, and let's see what was at the top of the pops today. What well, corporate travel? That was yep. uh, the star performer. We went through that, um, but there was a slight tilt again to some areas of the resource space. Uh, otherwise, Lindley's Engineer Net Wealth. I didn't see any stories behind it necessarily. No, no stories. I just think Lindley's has been uh, quite a laggard. So maybe there's some bottom fishing going on in there. There are also some other um, property more REITs that were quite well bid today. So I don't know how that corresponds to, you know, potentially, you know, another rate rise, but nevertheless, some bottom fishing in those stocks. Yeah, and uh, just on this topic of the REITs, uh, it was up 0.35%, which, you know, typically you'd get a, a, a lift in expectations for, for, for rate hikes. That might be an area of the market you would typically see underperform, but like you said, that already been beaten up. So maybe like you, uh, like you alluded to, a bit of bottom fishing there. Um, but there was uh, a lot of strength coming through the energy plays. IT names uh, were, were rather strong as well. Uh, and corporate travel, we just can't go past. It was up 12.4% for the day. Just to recap, uh, it won a $3 billion contract with the UK home office, uh, as we said before. Uh, the gravy train, you've got to get on that government gravy train. Corporate travel management has managed to hitch its wagon, so to speak, to that. Uh, let's go across the laggards now and Block. And this was interesting because I didn't see any news whatsoever no. off Block, but the payments providers last night on Wall Street apparently were sold off. Bitcoin's back below 30,000, so look into that, watch you will. But uh, the company's still dealing with that uh, short report from Hindenburg Research too. Probably more if the, the US ones were sold off. It might be something with that, that R word, dare we say, mm. um, as one of the reasons. But, you know, they've definitely those buy now, pay later companies or, you know, block. It's, it's, it's got a few headwinds, to say the least, at the moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe softening in economic activity. Coal's down 3%, just because that stake that Wes Farmers has dropped 2.8%. I'm not aware of any news, particularly with Domino's, which was down about 3.2%, except I think the share price has rallied off the lows um, from the most recent downgrades we saw. And uh, stocks like Champion Iron Ore had been very, very strong a few days previously, yeah. hadn't they? Had a, a good run up. Yeah, no, if there was ever a time so, you could say taking profits in a name, yeah. Champion Iron was probably it, because it was on the, the leaders board yesterday. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, and Domino's too, not, not out with any news, but it is has rebounded off its lows after getting absolutely smacked down the last time the company reported. Um, let's peruse very quickly the small caps and the movers and shakers in that space, learn a few names, of course. Uh, Rare Earth seems to be a little bit of a theme there, but of absolutely quite, quite naturally too. Uh, just a, a very resource intensive. We'll look at the laggards in the small caps as well, and it just comes out for every day. Jivois Global, my favorite stock. I just <laughs> what are you doing to it, Carl? I don't know. I must be. I must be pumping this thing somehow. Just by you know the the Twitter algorithm is picking it up every time we speak. It's it's throwing this thing. Drone around. Shield. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. We've spoken to them before too, actually. Yes, yes. They're, they're down 7% because I think they recently won a contract, didn't they, over in yeah. Ukraine or something? But um, yeah. yeah, so that's off 7%. But Jervois taking the cake almost down 14% again today. I can't wait to see what it's doing tomorrow. It's becoming a, a, like a sport for me, Danny. Um, okay, well, we may as well leave that there. And well, it's been another day, uh, a down day, unfortunately, breaking a streak of two days of gains. It has been positive throughout the week, a bit of a pullback off the back of that jobs report, which showed, uh, well, a slightly stronger and more robust labor market than perhaps economists had been expecting in March, down 0.38% for the session. Uh, Danny, what do you reckon we call it a day? Absolutely. 
Great day, though. <laughs> Great day, indeed. All right, well, remember, you can catch up on all the news and views on our website and app. Until tomorrow morning, have a great evening. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.